Okay, thanks for coming, everybody. Are you ready to rock and roll? Woo! All right, let's get things going with Rancid! Woo, sweet! California sun has sunk. Banana meals, here comes tonight. I was out. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the Pre-Modcast. This is a podcast where we are going to be discussing the pre-modern format. I have with me today Andrew Walker. Hi. And Jared Doucette. Hello. How's everybody doing? Good. We're doing good. Yeah, we're excited about this. This is going to be a, a good good opportunity to create and enjoy some content. And I got a yingling to uh, help my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you're tuning in to us, you probably are familiar with pre-modernizing format, and you probably know something about the online monthly tournaments. All three of us are regular attendees, and Andrew here hosts it. Um, Andrew, do you want to take it away with a little explanation? Sure. For those guys out there, it uh, has a lot of, if you play old school, it has a lot of overlap, basically, in how that's run. Um we generally get around 28 guys right now, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. More is always better, so keep trying to uh, grow the community. We split it into pods of uh, seven players, so usually we hit 28, get four pods of seven, play round robin style, and then the two top people in each of those pods makes up the top eight. Uh, and that's pretty much the gist of it. Get to meet people from all over the world i played someone in moscow today uh <laughs> i've played someone in vladivostok russia a couple in australia south america so you get a very wide variety of opponents so you yeah, get to see absolutely. how it's been around the world and don't worry about the english everybody speaks english way better than we speak anything else <laughs> uh sure. yeah so it's definitely a ton of fun get to meet a lot of people and play a lot of interesting decks yeah so obviously we're all huge fans of pre-modern and with this podcast we wanted to kind of go deep and create some content on not just the format but the strategies um the different aspects of nostalgia that we all experience with it i think pretty much everyone playing pre-modern is probably in their 30s or 40s even and loves the format because they love remembering what it was like to play the cards back then. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about ourselves. Um, Jared, why don't you go first? Uh, what's yeah, your sure. kind of backstory? So kind of a brief kind of rundown. I discovered magic, uh, as I think a lot of people have a similar story, uh, at a boy scout camp. I was, you know, just walked in and these guys were playing this game on the floor and, you know, with these cards and, <laughs> I have two distinct memories, both at Boy Scout camps. One involved an armor thrall, and the other one involved like a fire elemental. And I was just like, you know, I saw these cards. I would, you know, I was always kind of a kid that was interested in that kind of stuff, and uh, like D and D back in the day. And then um, I just remember, you know, just eventually buying my first pack of Fallen Empires, and then slowly, as I get, you know, allowance money or whatever, buying more cards and just kind of seeing where it went from there. But um. I would say with when it comes to the pre-modern specifically, this was when these are the most nostalgic times for me, you know, because I played a lot during, you know, played when I was 12 to 16 or whatever. But uh, it, it was definitely between 
like the saga all the way through invasion kind of section was like mm-hmm. you know that the urza's block through you know invasion block was when i was doing my most you know playing and also like kind of learning about it and building up in it and everything like that those were the the nostalgic times for me I'm, i wasn't like very competitive but you know i had a summer camp where i used to play every single summer so it was just it was a great outlet you know but that's why that's how the, you know this is the core of my you know magic you know youth yeah. so to speak did you um did you ever start getting into tournaments, uh, going to PTQs, that sort of thing? Not until 2009. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. My, uh, yeah. I, I ha- happened to have a guy. Like, I used to go to, like, maybe, like, a store tournament or something. But, uh-huh. like, I I had a guy who I lived with in 2009. We were living together in Boston. And uh, I was thinking about getting back into Magic. And I saw, like, a ripped up Magic card in the trash can that wasn't mine. I was like, hey, what's this? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I play competitively, and he started going around. I played my first uh, like PTQ of like a month later. I just uh-huh. I think it was like you know shards of Alara standard or something like that. Yeah, but it yeah. was just like you know just. And you were like, holy crap, these cards are so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, it was just like it was. It had been a long time since I really delved into the like you know anything competitive. Like I never traveled for Magic before that. You know, uh-huh. I just. I went down to the card store. I played at the summer camp, and that was it. I didn't realize it was so competitive and huge. You know, I heard That's about like kind of Wol- crazy. Yeah, honestly, like because Jared, you and I have played many times, including yeah. in uh, semifinals and, and that sort of thing uh, in the tournament. Yeah, and you're really good at pre-modern. Like every time I'm matched up against you, I'm I'm pretty worried. <laughs> I, I learned a lot back in those days. You know. When, if you don't play competitively, you don't understand like how like the little things of the game and like how mm-hmm. like get those little, little totally. edges. Like yep. something as simple as like how you play your lands. You know what I mean? Like you know in what yeah. order? You know like, those mm-hmm. are the things that I kind of. It's taken me a long time to kind of get there, but like to really think about what it really matters how you do the little things because it sets you up for the future and it's all about. It's playing odds, you know, and I'm you get better at learning yeah. the quote unquote math and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but like I really yeah. try, I really try to think about, you know, sequencing is so important, and I just really think about that a lot. So yeah, kind of the the fundamentals of the game. It, but and I gotta tell you, what was one of the biggest things that made me a better player was actually around the same time in like 2009 to 2012 when I was playing the most competitively. Uh-huh. I didn't I didn't really get anywhere. I think I like top. 16 to regionals one time like and oh, got nice. like you know and like that was and that was the best i'd ever done like i didn't actually I mean, like make, make anything it was like back when the regional tournaments were still around that was one time I'm sure there were what a couple hundred people in that i think that was yeah like i said that was my best and then um but like what got me to be the, like to really learn the game actually as crappy as the format of, of the the client is moto really learning like the, ah, the, the mm-hmm. steps of like the combat steps, every step of the of the turn or, or and phase of the turns, like is really important to like kind of learn where the priority passes. Like that will really yeah. Help. So that that's what I was just gonna say. Like I feel like when I was younger, uh, the concept of priority just completely escaped me. Didn't make any <laughs> sense. Yeah. Yep. No, it was like one of those 
things that as soon as that word got brought up on like a judge call or something, I was like, I'm out of my league. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. But like once I, in, I played a little bit of Moto back around, like I said, in that in that early 2010s era, and mm-hmm. that that learns, you know, that kind of part of the game. But yeah, I mean, and then now I've once I discovered old school and then pre-modern, like I've just been like, yeah, these cards mean way more to me with these old borders. Like these are they look better, you know what I mean, to me. Oh, yeah. It's just now, sure. like, the cards are just so insane. And there, there's benefits to those, too. I'm not going to discourage anyone who likes those cards, you know, but just these mm-hmm. are the ones that, you know, at my age, like, I don't want to go to the card store and bump into, like, some smelly teenager who, like, <laughs> had a shower, you know? I just, I, yeah. I like talking to people who are of similar ages, and, you know, it just... Yeah. I, not that I have anything... I just I've just kind of grown out of that kind of phase, so... You know, <laughs> yeah, anyway. grown out of the stink... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, the, the the neck beards and the and we make fun of them. But we were all those people at some point, and the, 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 stere- the, oh, the, yeah. st- the stereotypes of the magic player of just like I just, you know, you know how many like howling like wolf moon like t shirts are at those things. Like you're gonna get yeah. like it's just it, it's interesting stuff, but you know they just to each their own. It's just you know I just not for me anymore for those big events. But I like I like our communities that are a little older. We're just guys who. You haven't grown out of it, and that's fine. You know, it's just a good hobby. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Well, we, we've grown out of the one part of magic, but right. we haven't grown out of the other part of magic. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I can afford it. Showers. Yeah. Yeah, which is really the fun of playing. Yeah, and, and we can afford it a little bit more now, kind of. Totally. Yeah. Kind of, so. yeah. So, yeah, so just for a, for a frame of reference, when did you actually get into pre-modern? Uh, well, I think I... It was one of um, the first announcements Martin made, Martin Berlin, who we'll talk about in a little bit. He made it, and I was just like, "Yep, this sounds awesome." Because I oh, wow. years ago, I remember, and I think it still has a little following. There was a, a hyper extended down in Atlanta. There's another like uh-huh. kind of format that's yep. very similar, but yeah. like just like a nostalgic format. I remember hearing about that maybe like ten years ago. I don't know. It was a while ago. And just I was like, oh man, that'd be cool to play with those cards again because I have a lot of those, like you know, that era. But like yeah, I was, yeah. but I didn't know how to like start a format. I wasn't like involved mm-hmm. online a lot, but you know. But when I heard about this, and I was just like, yeah, that you know, I was really involved in old school, still am. But you know, this is definitely like a sweet spot of a format for the nostalgia and also the, like just some really cool iconic cards too. Yeah, and just, for sure. Yeah, so, did you take a break like many? Uh... Magic players took where they just left the game and then came back after a while. Yeah, it was like you know after Invasion, I kind of took off until oh, what was it? I kind of came back around like was it Ravnica Cold Snap era, like around there, like kind of briefly. Then I you know came back around again. I got really intense around like was that Uh, right after the shards and. I can't remember shards, Zendikar, like that era. I played a lot. Mm-hmm. Then, then I kind of fell off for a few years. Played a little bit of modern, and then once old school came back, I stopped with any of the new stuff. And that's been since 2016. So it's been a long stretch of you know just playing with old cardboard. So almost going on four years now. Cool. So, yeah. Um. All right. So Andrew, why don't you give us your backstory? Sure. Uh. It's- pretty uh, similar i started uh late summer 95 uh 
in marching band. <laughs> if you're not playing, you have to do something. So, uh, so we got Boy Scouts same and things. marching band. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Saw kids playing Magic. There were friends of mine, didn't know about the game. Went over and talked to them about it and saw things like Craw Giant and uh, uh, other big things like that. It, probably somebody out of Sangir uh or shiv and things like that so the first stuff i picked up was fourth edition ice age and chronicles which is basically old school plus ice age because the other two sets are just reprints uh played that till let's see the my first pre-release was weatherlight i remember going and signing up getting my first dci card six digits and seeing people with four digits and being like, wow, <laughs> they've been playing this forever. Um, the Back then, when you went to a tournament, it, it was sort of an adventure. You had to drive to it. It was like maybe one or two pre-releases in a state. So mine was like an hour drive away. Went with a friend or two. Um, went, uh, kept playing there, played during college. For when I started, was a senior in high school. Uh, played throughout college, and then uh, after college, the first year after, I took the judge test because I went to school in Boston. Uh, it was the like January or February of two thousand and one. Uh, took the test. It was, had uh, crazy questions back then, like if you had a a Sanger vampire with Lance on it and the your opponent had, or that's what your opponent has. They're attacking you with the first striking Sanger. How many, yeah. How many, uh, Pegasi from your, uh, your sacred Mesa do you have to use to block and kill it? I won't give an answer because, uh, we'll mention, uh, some of the stuff about judge questions later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll have to, we'll have to wait on that. Yeah. Uh, Played, uh, so I did that, judged for a while, did some staff, staffing at events, so I've got like a badge from Urza's Destiny, and uh, a list of where you could play, and the phone numbers of the like the one place in each state. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, that. Played, yeah. yeah, exactly. Played through, um, played through Scourge, and, and then into Mirrodin Block, and stopped with Kamigawa, so my, my entire start to finish was pre-modern plus mirrored in block wow that's cool so once you saw those old or the new borders you were like screw this (laughs) yeah that in that in post-grad school just didn't uh didn't allow me much time then i got married after grad school then kids and everything and sort of took a while to get back in i uh, yeah basically we'll do it yeah (laughs) basically took off from like um Kamigawa ended in Kamigawa started fall 2004 and I stopped playing until I think 2016 um just got I I uh just heard that there was a shop close enough within like 20 30 minutes uh which I was used to driving elsewhere uh, before when I played uh like Friday Night Magic and things like that uh 20 30 minutes isn't bad yeah exactly <laughs> uh it used to be an hour to go to a shop at when it, where I grew up in Ohio to to get some games in of like type one five or were extended or uh-huh. all that kind Go of extended. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and 1.5, 1.5 was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the precursor to legacy, right? Yeah. Yeah. They had, yeah. they think that was the set that had, uh, the banning list had no Kurt ape and no jugs because they were too strong. 
Oh yeah, third one. Forget it. Yeah. The uh, so I came back and uh, had oath decks and some other decks that I wanted to try and like vintage or legacy. Uh, had enchantress for legacy. Everybody who doesn't uh, know that's a, that's not a shocker for anybody who knows uh, what I play. Uh, yeah, Andrew is quite the enchanter. <laughs> Some call me Andrew. Uh, I'm Tim's brother. Uh, Tim's brother. <laughs> uh, so came back, knew that uh, Vintage Legacy was pretty much what I still had cars for. I I never sold out. I just put them all in a box and I and it could. Uh, you sir are a very smart man i'm a a very lucky man well (laughs) the bad luck i had was i came back and i looked like okay what can i get rid of that doesn't see play in these formats and i'm like oh Uh no one uses moats so i'll get rid of my two moats uses no one using an abyss so i'll get rid of an abyss uh, what would you get rid of Valley. for like 20 bucks or something no no I, I still got like 700 out of them so it wasn't bad oh, oh. but that's not bad at all oh yeah but the, the so, problem the the part that sucked was like two weeks later the uh buyout on moats happened and the price went up and i was like who plays uh, moats well, like doubled yeah which was which was probably to some extent good that i heard about it because i was like why why would someone buy out moats? No one uses them. It's it's a nostalgia or something. And then one of the guys at the shop was like, "No, there's this format called old school." And uh-huh. I looked into it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, what did I just do?" Uh-huh. So, <laughs> and thus the addiction is formed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much started, Yeah. So I started <laughs> shifting away from legacy and and. Uh, he put the vintage. needle in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> first, yeah, the first one wasn't free. <laughs> it cost me no. a lot. <laughs> but then I looked at so, like, so that's when you stuff. got into old school, and that yeah. that was what twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, I went to yeah. my first GP in forever that year. Uh huh. Luckily to see uh, Ken Meyer Jr. So he could sign. I think like eighty curds at that time. Oh uh, hell yeah! Geez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's nowhere near what number I have now. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. The um, and then probably after that, it was I think um, the very end of 2018, early 2019, that I heard about premodern, and I was like, oh, I got to get in on that. That's that's my sweet spot from when I yep. played uh, competitively. Nothing any crazy or anything, but the. Uh, the era was when I played most. Uh, my most competitive time frame was pretty much grad school because the timing, there was a place close enough to where I lived and it was open. Uh, everything worked out time-wise. So I'd play like Friday Night Magic every night and every mm-hmm. Friday night. And they'd have usually 24 to 32 people. So it was a decent-sized event every yeah. week. Uh, but yeah, and I played the big stuff. The big time frame I played was 2001 to four. So I played Fires. I played Cunning Wake, uh, Burning Wake, other control decks, other aggro, some crazy, uh-huh. some goofy stuff just to piss off other players by making them <laughs> stuff continuously and just mix it up. And I still mix yeah. it up. I still build yeah. Jake. It, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I feel like most people have that situation where pre-modern is really when they played uh competitively it's 
it's what they remember like winning at and that sort of thing. Old school is really only 1993 and 1994, and yep. there were not that many players back nope. then. No, yep. I mean, it's it's such a small group that remember that, and most yep. of us who play pre-modern, in fact, I'd be willing to bet everyone who plays pre-modern first started with old school. Um, but old school is really more of the, uh, and Jared, you said this really well, uh, Phrase it the way that you said it. Old school is... It, it was the cards you wish you had when you were a kid. You know what I mean? It, it was like... it was. Those were like the, the... Those were out of reach. Like the moxes were out of reach when I was 10 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the, those were out of yep. reach. But like, you know, the, those were... I like to say old school is like more iconic. And then like, whereas to me... And then whereas pre-modern is more nostalgic to me. And I still yes. think there's plenty of iconic cards yep. in this pre-modern era... But like, there's just a little bit of a difference in that distinction. It was just, you know, it was like, yeah. it was like what was desired, but I couldn't get. And then th- these were like what I actually touched and like, you know, it was more tactile, you know. Right. Yeah, Old school to... is what you wanted to play. Right. Pre-modern is what you actually played. Exactly. Yes. That's a <laughs> yeah. good Yeah, exactly. I, I like that too. And, yeah. yeah th- I mean, and that's why I love pre-modern so much too, because I actually did get into magic in 1994. Mm-hmm. but I was eight years old. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. to me, you know, spending a ton on magic meant going to the comic book store and buying two Fallen Empires packs for a dollar fifty each. Yeah, and that was so a like, lot. <laughs> yeah, when you're eight years old, you, you get, what, five bucks <laughs> in spending yeah. money? <laughs> and that's it. So just the idea that there were cards out there that costed, at the time, like Ooh. 50 bucks was insane. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was a that was a number that was just not possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter and how it's ma- like, it's like there there was no way you could justify to your parents that you spent that money. <laughs> <laughs> nope, <Exactly>. Absolutely not. <laughs> on a on a piece of cardboard. Exactly. If only they knew the gains you would have made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you told me not to buy that Apple stock. <laughs> I, uh, I know. I've gone I, back I, to my parents before and been like. This deck that I had that you thought I spent some money on was like went up, and th- this was a few years ago where the old school one went to like six thousand, and now it's like in the tens. Yeah, and it's like I don't have any like all the powers uncom is uh, unlimited, so there's the only most of the duels are just revised or blackboard foreign because I luckily that sort of that was the one other thing I forgot when I. Uh, in college, me and my roommate, he he was sort of the business major, so he he saw the potential of making money in it. <laughs> so, oh, geez. Yeah. So me and him started buying a couple uh, collections back then. So a lot of my like foreign black border were my payment for it. I took my uh-huh. payment in cards. He took it in cash. Oh and wow! So a lot of my sweet stuff comes from that era because I yeah yeah you know, I buy yeah. and sell. And I mean, I was on. I had a GeoCities web page. <laughs> I, I used um, IRC for posting it, so I had yeah. like I had buyers in probably like two dozen countries or something. It was crazy back back when just sending stuff anywhere it was uh, easier. Now I always feel a little more sketched out. But yeah, yeah, I, I actually remember um, calling Troll and Toad and. <laughs> naming the cards i wanted and the uh the editions that they were from and having them send me cards that way because yep. 
I don't even remember if there was online places to purchase. Yeah, I know mine. I could. Um, I was. I ran it through IRC because uh, the only other option was something called eBay that opened up literally a few months before, and I joined that. <laughs> so I'm. I'm like. I'm within like the first three or six months member from eBay. But I was like. Yeah. I was like. I don't know about this place. They. You can sell guns. You can sell porn. You can sell all this other stuff. Is this the dark web? Yeah. <laughs> and there's freaking fees. I'm not yeah. doing this. And, th- and then I quickly cards. Yeah. So. <laughs> then I quickly realized after running them, like doing like a going, going gone kind of system. Mm-hmm. When you're listing like 500, 600 cards and you have to update all those per bids that come in all day mm-hmm. and like overnight from foreign countries. That is a freaking workout. <laughs> oh yeah, that's keep... a job. Yeah. <laughs> like think of, think of all the man hours. <laughs> yeah. It was like, but the, the savings that I earned at working at a, at a uh, one dollar an hour job <laughs> is pretty yeah. much <laughs> those one dollars added up a while. So I but made at least some you're, sweet stuff. you're enjoying you know coming through cards that sort of thing. Exactly. All right. Well, um, my story real quick, as I mentioned, I started in 1994. Um, I was eight. My older brother was 15. He brought home, uh, hey, my friend at school uh, gave me these cards and you should check it out. It's pretty cool. And thus it all began. (laughs) Yep. Um, But of course, at that age, like, we didn't know how to play. We we couldn't figure out the rules. We were just kind of having fun. And so then it wasn't really until like he was much older than me. So he went off to college and then I didn't have anyone to play with. So I kind of forgot for a while. And then around middle school, um, my friend in the neighborhood, he got into it. And so then the two and then eventually three of us started spending our Friday nights uh, playing magic in someone's basement. And mm-hmm. then Saturdays, we'd go to the local comic book store where they had tournaments. And they eventually grew tired of it. And I very much did not. <laughs> I became obsessed and basically would spend every Saturday at a tournament. Um, and my parents loved driving me every Saturday <laughs> to go spend money. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was great. It was a fantastic, this was around, uh, Urza block that I was doing the comic book stores. Mercadium mass pre-release was my first sanctioned tournament, which of course led into going to PTQs all throughout the pre-modern era. I, similar to you guys got out, um, actually in around the middle of onslaught block. Mm. Um, and that was more just, you know what? I've spent like the last four years of my life (laughs) doing nothing but playing magic with my social life outside of school. Right. Maybe I should start doing some other stuff as I'm about to go to college. (laughs) So you wanted to meet girls. Yeah, precisely. That's exactly exactly what it was. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to learn how to talk to girls if I keep playing magic all the time. (laughs) I, um, it's funny you mentioned that because I, uh, what you said about your parents driving you around is actually like, mm-hmm. I remember like, I don't know, I was like maybe 13, 14. I got grounded for like a month or something. And like, uh-huh. they, they were like, okay, no TV, no, um, you know, no TV, no radio, nothing. 
And I actually, that's what like led me to like get back into magic because I was like, oh, wow. well, like, what else am I gonna do in my room by myself? So I started fiddling with magic cards again. I found them like, yeah, you know, my oh, remember of, these? Remember these, right? And then I started whacking down to the games, you know, the card shop. And, you know, it was like an old, you know, ride my bike down or whatever it was. So I was like, uh-huh. oh yeah, I remember this? That was yeah. <laughs> Oh, the irony. But um, yeah, kind of my best results, you know, I, I, I was never great, but I, I did uh, get second place at one of the junior super series, which meant I got to go that. to the junior nationals down. It was in Disney World, actually, at the time, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. And I think that made them say, oh, maybe there <coughs> is something to this game that he's playing. Because like there was also a thousand dollar scholarship for it and then i got really close on one ptq and this was back when ptqs had like a couple hundred people so that was insane and it was actually with a blue green madness deck Hmm. um during i I think it was odyssey block constructed not type two and um so that's why when i heard about pre-modern first thing i did was all right, well, let's see how much of that Madness deck I still have. Oh, I have most of it, and it's only going to cost me like $3 to get the rest of it? All right, looks like I'm playing pre-modern. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a more affordable format, but yeah. And then uh, started seeing about old school. First thing I had heard was about Swedish old school, and I was like, oh, with that reprint policy, like, there's no way yeah. that <laughs> I can actually play swedish old school like i can't even get the all the unlimited basics you know yep uh but so then got into old school and then heard about pre-modern and ever since then it's just been like i just want to play pre-modern no i'm with you and so, so that of course leads to the way we all play pre-modern mm-hmm. which is the online monthly tournament right Obviously, with this podcast, we'll be talking about it a lot more. Um, We're also going to be talking about kind of the strategies, the various decks to beat. Um, Sometimes we'll be talking about the top tier ones. Other times we'll be talking about more unique ones, more fun decks. Um, And then Andrew, being a judge, we plan on having a judge's corner. with Emeritus. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me something too. At least the questions should be from a pre-modern era, so I should have a good understanding of what. The yeah, question is. I think they will always uh, yeah. be. Don't ask me new that mechanics. Could only happen in pre-modern. Yeah. Just, just start saying worse. new mechanics. I'm just gonna ditch you. <laughs> yeah. Just, and, just, um, just wait okay. for the entire episode on humility. You okay. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I think I'll be a three-parter. Yeah. <laughs> That'll yeah. be a Dan Carlin, you know. Yeah. I think there's seven Six steps, so it'd have episode. to be like a, yeah. Or, yeah, you'd have to do an episode per step, and I think there's like seven steps. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. And uh, the the other thing that's that's really cool about pre-modern is that it you well much like old school it uses uh today's rule set which are thankfully a lot easier to follow yep. than back then and I, i'm pretty sure pre-modern itself if you if you look at the era went through 
three or even four different major oh, rule yeah, changes. You had like the original rules and the sixth edition rule changes, and then like yeah, yeah. I I remember mess. when damage using the stack first became a thing. Yeah, oh. and it was like. It was so such a thing to learn, you know? You all remember the first time you got blown out by a Mog fanatic that was trading up, or like, you know, when somebody pumped up their Morphling to 5 1 yeah. and then put the damage on the and stack. And then just switched it right back to a 0 10. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, this doesn't make <laughs> exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or the, I think it was maybe a two or three month period when end of the turn effects would could be cast. And then not go into effect until the next turn, making it so that oh, yeah, waylay yeah. could be cast that. at the end of your opponent's turn, and then you could Ooh. attack with three two twos. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I do remember that actually. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So thankfully, pre-modern uses the modern rule set, <laughs> and it, we don't have to worry about that. When it, when it comes to uh, the rules, like I think it definitely with this, these we're going to talk about the cards in a little bit, but like um, you know. I felt like with old school, like those cards were designed with mana burn in mind. And I feel like with this set of cards that we're about to talk about, I, I feel like it wasn't as much of an issue. Like you were you didn't have cards like, you know, like the mana barbs or the, the, the um, power surges of the world that were like, you know, yeah. that really played around it, you know? So, yeah, I, I it wasn't I, as big of an aspect. Man, I don't think losing mana burn is a big deal at all. You know, yeah. for for, the, for these cards, it just doesn't matter as much because I think there's been a lot of great improvements, you know, with you know Magic's rules throughout the years. Like, there's clearly the changes they make are have been for the benefit, you know, with the mulligans and like different things clearing things up because totally know, the, the game's hard enough, so why why, why make it harder, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, to say nothing of the power level of cards that get printed i think the rules have been a steady improvement throughout the history of the game <laughs> yeah yes we're definitely better off now than when we were back then i think overall yeah <laughs> so. all right so so let's dive into pre-modern itself sure so pre-modern was created by martin berlin yeah um one of the swedes who yep everyone should probably know mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh he created it back in 2012 to kind of fill the gaps after 93-94 Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 93-94 was invented by Magnus in, what, 06? 07 or something like that. that. Yeah, 06 or 07. Yeah. 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 So, so this came about five years later. Mm-hmm. And um, as we've all reiterated to us, this is the real nostalgic period. Mm -hmm. This is when we were playing actively. These are the cards that the artwork will always be in our memories. Um, And also the different plays, uh, the stories, the kind of apocryphal aspect by there not being very much coverage of it. You'd go to whatever local tournament and you'd hear someone talk about, oh, did you hear what happened at the pro tour the other week or something like that. Yeah. And it kind of had this almost like, like legendary status of the, the people you knew who would get good enough to actually move up. And it was like, Oh yeah. Remember, remember him? He's playing on the pro tour now. Yeah. You, you got um, your deck techs and your, your net, your net decking wasn't on the net. It was on scry and inquest magazine or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or very early, like, dojo or like the sideboard yeah. or like one of those very early websites 
Yeah, I remember every day when I'd get home from school, I'd check them just because they they weren't regularly updating even. No. So you'd be like, all right, is there actually going to be an article? <laughs> yeah, you, you had no idea. That was interesting. But yeah, yeah. I, I remember those back in the day. The, the side sideboard was where I <laughs> probably did my first net decking was on that website. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. That, that was the what became the mothership. <laughs> right. It's true. I forgot about that. You're right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yeah, for anyone who has gotten this far and doesn't know the basics of pre-modern, which I would be surprised to hear, <laughs> um, pre-modern it allows you to play everything from fourth edition up through Scourge, Scourge being the cutoff where they switch to the new borders, mm-hmm. which I think we can all agree are hideous. Yep. <laughs> they, yep. they look like a completely different game, like, like maybe Yu-Gi-Oh cards or something like and that. They, and they made artifacts silver as opposed to the brown. Yeah. yeah. It's not really an artifact <laughs> no at that point because it's like, yeah. that's a new machine or something you build. Artifacts, you would assume had some kind of rust and thing to them, had the brown. Yeah. They're a historical artifact. Yeah. yeah. But uh, on top you... of that, like just like it, the 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 kind of silvery tone almost looked like a white card. Like it was just like right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, whereas the brown was a very distinct color from everything else. Yeah. I don't know. It was a, it was a weird change, but yeah. Anyway. And and also, I feel like this is around the time when they started switching from uh, the artwork being paintings to digital art. Mm, yeah and it kind of it took on more of a video game concept feel rather than like especially old school cards where they feel like something that would be in a museum (laughs) no i totally agree uh the pre-modern era is a bit more like like something from a fantasy you know illustrated book yeah that sort of thing but it, it definitely isn't where it is now and I see some cards these days. Not all of them. Some are good, but but some things I see these days are just like, ugh, who checked off on that? <laughs> it's, it's, there, uh, there's a lot of eyesores. There's just so much going on with them, with, with the newer stuff. Yeah. I agree. I, I like the old art. It just it feels. I mean, it's old. It's iconic. You know, with anyone, any type of art, you know, the older it gets, like people more get more reverence for towards it. But yeah. You know these cards like are just so they just stick out. You know they're just they're powerful and s- sometimes they're just yeah. simple and that's all it needs to be. Like I'm just yeah, happy to it, look. I'm I'm looking at the card balance right now and it's just like man, yeah. that's just so simple. But like man, that is just so cool. Like it's just the, the yeah cool looking night guy night and just holding up, holding uh, up the scales. scales. Yeah, <laughs> like that's all it needed to be. But like you know nowadays you know like the they change the art when they re release these on moto or whatever and they're just like it's <laughs> you can't even tell what's going on you know yeah or something yeah. But. yeah i mean that was and, a good thing about back in the day for those cards the the art they were done on basically four by six cards they weren't really yeah, yeah because tight. it was the scanners back then couldn't to do the the dpi that they needed to have uh, good enough pixels so it wouldn't pixelate they had to do art on small things i mean like i've i anybody who knows me knows i'm a big Kurt ape fan that's definitely one of the things that brought me into magic for some reason just a nice ape but uh the one i have one that ken redid for me and it's like 10 by 12 so it's four times the size of the original art wow so you had those little pieces of art from back then versus like now the canvases can be like like two foot by three foot for some of the stuff yeah. that for some of the paint, some of the guys who and girls that still do 
physical painting versus uh, mm-hmm. di- digital. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there was also uh, a, a time issue too. Like like making a large painting takes a lot more time than mm-hmm. making a small painting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so, yeah, uh, another thing about pre-modern that I think keeps it a very balanced format, and we'll go in in a second to the fact that it's very much divided by the main three pillars, but it's it's got a great ban list. I, I actually um, have that up in front of me if you want me to just run through it quick. Uh, just, yeah, go for yeah, it. I just, I just, you can I, skip all the anti-cards. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Obviously, the anti-cards are gone. Those are silly anyway. But like yeah. I said, balance, you know, it's just like that's a card that I think we can all agree is not balanced. Um, no. <laughs> you know, and, and one of the key – and a key card here also, a Brainstorm. I'm just going in Brainstorm. I just think Huge. I think we've seen it, – it's a very strong card with the Fetchlands. And if you yeah. want to play Fetchland Brainstorm, there's legacy for that, if in my opinion. Bingo. I think there's other there's plenty of other good one one mana blue one blue mana cantrips. I don't think we need it. You know what I mean? I think it's totally fine that it's gone. It's a silly card with the Fetchlands that Onslaught mm-hmm. gives us, you know what I mean? So uh, next one up is channel. I think that, you know, I think we can all agree like, that you know, that's explains just explains itself. It explains mm-hmm. itself. Demonic- Especially because like in pre-modern there's more than just fireball to abuse with channel yeah. right yeah. <laughs> yeah there's stroke of genius there's you know Carvix Carvix torch, torch. Which makes it even harder to counter like there's a lot of stuff yeah. that can be kind of silly um yeah. the next up in is demonic consultation tutors very powerful you know what i mean self-explanatory um earthcraft is another one that's an interesting one and i don't know the combo off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure that uh squirrel nest Squirrel nest, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's squirrel nest, and then there was also um, what you would do is use sacred mesa mm-hmm. and give your land either uh, wild growth or yep. there was overgrowth, I think, which mm-hmm. there's two green. Two, yeah. So then you are not only creating infinite pegasi, but also mm-hmm. infinite mana in the process. Oh. Yeah, if you had biorhythm or something, you get like infinite one life. Of the main combo decks. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, then the next one up there is uh, Entomb. Again, Reanimator Graveyard Strategies are very powerful. One mana, anything that can search and tutor, right? Just too good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Next up is uh, actually one that with that with a more recent banning. Maybe isn't as much of a problem now, but Flash with with Academy Rector is obviously very good. But with uh, yeah. with Yog Bargain banned, maybe it's not as insane anymore. But I just that's what yeah. I'm wondering is is Flash Rector really the only use of Flash? I'd have to imagine there's something else out there, but like that is obviously the most clear. Like this triggers right away. It's two mana, two mana search and just find anything. You know, put. And, put it put it into play right any enchantment yeah that, 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 that's the key is that, that it puts it it puts it into play and it's an instant like just kind of crazy but right well because flash got got banned everywhere as a result of flash hulk mm-hmm. which was protean hulk which wasn't till later that so was until much later just yeah. wondering if there's anything other than academy rector but we can come back mm-hmm. to yeah i mean that's that, that's something like a whole sector uh next up force of will much like brainstorm if you want to play in a force of will format I think there's legacy, there's vintage for you, but like more yeah. more than anything, I just think 
there's a lot of very strong combo decks, and people are like, oh, like that. How else are you going to interact with these strong combo decks? It's like, not to mention, Force of Will also protects these strong combo decks. You know, yep. so yeah. it, it's really a two-edged sword there. And I just mm. think there's enough good ways to like counter and interact. I mean, there's so much pointed discard with Cabal Therapy Duress. Like, there's you know, and other counter spells with Days or what have you. Like, there's ways to. I think that yeah. I think it's safe that that stays away and i think the rest of the ban list actually reflects force of will being banned and it just makes sense um, i think so too i just I mean, I, most i think that's the biggest most important card on the ban list yes i agree and that's what keeps the format as good as it is yeah and, and yeah the diversity which we'll get to in a bit uh next up goblin recruiter i think you know goblins is already a good deck maybe it's not broken i don't know but i think that i think it's just you know that again tutoring consistency you can see this you can see the kind of what why things get banned in this format. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, yeah. it's things that find things right away, cheat on mana, cheat on cards, right? That's what we're going yep. for. Or just create un, you know, unenjoyable play patterns. Uh, next one, Grim Monolith. You know, do we, I don't think we need to, you know, adds crazy mana, key, untaps, crazy mana again. Um, f- mana Vault, same thing. Like another one, just mm-hmm. a huge mana mm-hmm. accelerator. Memory jar. I mean, broken draw sevens. You know, it's just it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, memory jar that got an emergency ban when it came out. <laughs> right. People didn't really know what it, 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 it didn't understand it. Next one, yep. mind mind twist. Not fun. No one's having a good time with that card. Yeah, um, no need to explain that. <laughs> my, mind's desire. I mean, storm is one of the most broken mechanics they ever created outside of maybe dredge. You know, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, it's a storm card that creates more storm. Sure. Yeah. I, yep. I guess. Have fun, you know what I mean. Um, mystical tutor again, finding stuff. Tutor, you know, th- th- these creates this consistency that is just un, you know, is too good. And then the, the next one is another big one, necropotence. I mean, snap, huge, snapped in half. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. you know, X Men a draw a bunch. You know, it's just insane. Um, I mean, is there is there any other card that has defined years of professional play the way Necro did? No. I mean, I can't believe it was allowed and not restricted for as long as it was through all through yeah. Yeah. Like 95 to like, what, 2000-something, where it finally got... And along with Demonic Consultation. Yeah. Like they were together for the longest time. I was just so on... Lo- eight Necros. I, I play in a few other formats, and one of the formats I play online is, uh, we call it, it was like the World's 96 format. It was, it's mm-hmm. basically, it was Fallen Empires through Alliances, which included Chronicles. Uh, okay. And what we chose to do in this kind of... Back then, Necro wasn't restricted or banned or anything. We, mm-hmm. we, so we we're like, Necro is definitely the most powerful card and the best deck. Like, just restrict it. You know, playing one is still nostalgic, but you know, if you if you allow four, it's just it's head and shoulders above the be the best. Virtually yeah. out of Necro, that's good. You know, you're still gonna get those cards. The amount of consultation for Necro when you can play four of them, like, who cares? And you go through your deck, <laughs> find the Necro, and then you can just draw all the cards. You know, so yep. it's just okay. <laughs> yep. Um. Next one up on the list is uh, Show and Tell, which I'm wondering, you know, like, what, what are we worried about with that one? But, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 it's obviously an insane card in a lot of formats, but... I yeah, wanna, the I, animator is a deck already, so yeah, I, I don't I, think of anything. I, I think that's the answer, is that Reanimator is already a deck, and then this would just mm. add another, like, it, they don't even have to put the card in the yard at this point, right? That's true. Yeah. It cuts a step out. It cuts a step out. And it's three yeah. mana, yeah, but at the same time, like... It gives them like another good target, so I don't even think they need it. Um, 
Next up, strip mine. We got wait. We got wasteland. Wasteland is a well-designed balance card, if you ask me. Totally. It, yeah. Um, next one, tendrils. I mean, storm. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that there is still a storm deck with brain freeze. Yeah. Means if tendrils yep. was in, it'd just be ridiculous. Yeah. It. It yep. just. It's. It's. Right. That that card's a vintage staple. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. You know, even yeah. now. So, um, time spiral. You can draw sevens and you know, draw sevens and untap sex lands. It's insane. You know, just not good. Tolarian Academy again, cheating huge on mana. That card's insane. Vamp, Vamp Tutor, finding you know exactly what you want right away and you know putting on top. Who cares about the two life? You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean that along with demonic tutor, it's just like yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> well, demonic tutor's not in the format, right? No, that was in revised, right? Yeah. No, I just mean the two of them being the ones that can find you anything. The perfect card for (laughs) one mana, and especially this on instant speed. Yeah, it puts it on top, but you know it's fine. Uh, Windfall again, another like big, big, big uh, like card draw spell. You know, for combo decks. World Gorger Dragon. You know, it definitely made it's a rules nightmare headache, but at the same time, like (laughs) you know, it, it it definitely has the you know its combo. And the last two, you know, Yogmoth's, you know, different styles of bargain and will. I think we all know, mm-hmm. like, you know, Yog bargain was originally unbanned in this That's format. That's what I was going to know. It, yeah. Bargain was recently banned. Recently banned. I think mm-hmm. I just saw it was in August. I think it went banned. Mm-hmm. But, like, you yeah. put, I mean, like we mentioned with Flash and Rector, like, you put that out all of a sudden with, with a Lotus Petal on turn one, and you're just, you're drawing your deck, you know, and that, that just... It, that kind of card advantage is just not healthy. And Yog will also, like, you know, just the, the silly things you could do with the graveyard are already silly enough. You know, adding that card to the mix is just mm-hmm. even better. So, but yeah. I think uh, I mean, I, it's a vintage all star. There's yeah. <laughs> no reason for it to be in pre modern. Yeah, I think there's a couple that you look at. Maybe they should be banned or shouldn't be banned. But I think overall, I think this list is very good. I think it's in a very good place. You know, and, le- and and leads to everyone playing different styles of magic, and you know, with the, with the different you know the pillars of the format. Like you were, and it's probably a good transition to talk about those those pillars of the magic format and what exactly. decks are represented here. So, why don't you kind of lead us on that? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> anyone who gets into competitive magic knows that the decks tend to follow one of three styles control aggro and combo the rock paper scissors of it but magic being a much more complex game than rock paper scissors it's never as simple as Mm -hmm. you know control beats combo combo beats aggro aggro beats control Um, in pre-modern we have top tier decks for each of the pillars absolutely Uh, so control has blue white land still, mm-hmm. which I almost always see in a top eight. Yep, it's a very good deck, uh, very consistent, yep. playing all the best removal counter spells, card draw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that that's a vintage deck. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. The fact that you, you can kind of run that same strategy in pre modern, it leads to a lot of wins. Um, then there's four color control, which is kind of the old school Finkel approach. Um, with Gaia's Blessings, Wall of Decree of Justice as your win con. Um, you kind of have 
all the best removal in white. You have all the counters in blue. And then you add in your other colors in order to get things you can't get from those. Um, then there's Psychotog, which mm-hmm. anyone who played during Odyssey block remembers was the beast. Uh, pretty much every tournament in that era would have about maybe half the top eight be Psychotogs. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't play that. Um, that wasn't my time, so but I've heard all about it. Well, interestingly, though, I haven't noticed Psychotog putting up a ton of results the way it used to. Um, maybe when we when we do that as the deck tech, uh, we'll figure out what's going on there. Oh, uh, quick, uh, quick, quick thing about control in general. Like, control decks, basically, it takes them the longest to adapt to a format because you have to make sure you get, mm. like, the most, the best answers for a metagame. Like, they're very metagame yeah. kind of decks, right? So like that's you true. You know, so the Landstill deck has, you know, Source of Plowshares is just a good card, you know, and it's pretty, you know, wide reaching. But like when you get down to the nitty gritty, if you play a lot of control, you have to really make sure you, you know, the the the, the answers become more specific to the meta game. Like a card, like yeah. you know, like the, those last few slots are really important for a, how well a control deck can do. But you know, it's, it's just interesting to see and maybe Psychotog hasn't figured it out yet you know or maybe just that yeah if you want to play control very a very wide format right very Mm -hmm. very you know so you also if you're gonna be a control player like obviously there are tons of experts at control Mm -hmm. who just pick it up naturally but for most people they need the experience of playing against the other decks a lot of experience in order to win with control yep um so then your non-blue control decks there's the rock Mm -hmm. which obviously kind of rides the line is a control deck is a an aggro deck well it's really mid-rangey yeah but it's got so much uh one v one destruction and Mm -hmm. pernicious deeds and stuff like that that i put it in the control category it's in the control macro but like you know mid-range can also be aggressive it's mm. mid-range is the combination too right it's the control against yeah. the aggro decks and it's the aggro against the control decks like it, it, it has to adapt but i would say overall in this format because of all the disruption it plays it definitely plays more controlish in most matchups yeah mm-hmm. so, exactly yeah. and then as a subset of control you have your prison decks mm-hmm. you got pink prison which is usually based around land tax uh scroll rack and then things like devastating dreams yep. to dump all that and wipe the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got mud. It's your mono brown control where they kind of lock you down with winter orbs mm-hmm. and Mishra's helix and that sort tangle of thing. wire. And tangle, tangle wire. Wires. Oh god. That that yeah. that, <laughs> that that card in, in itself is a nostalgia bomb for me. Like that that was <laughs> so yeah. so cool. I remember that being one of the chase rares at oh, the yeah. time. Good card. Yep. Um, and then there's opposition, you know, squirrel prison, um, and then also stasis. stasis yeah, yeah. I was gonna say really good for stasis. One of in st- for stasis, one of the uh, months we actually had two top eight players playing stasis. Oh wow! I bet that was a long top eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think somebody told me this month there was three stasis decks in one pod. 
Oh, oh God. <laughs> that sounds miserable. I'm guessing oh, yeah. it was someone who wasn't playing Stasis and they were <laughs> whining about it. <laughs> I think it was one of the Stasis players saying he beat the other Stasis. It was, it was just like, oh, I can't even imagine. That sounds like uh, a miserable mirror I would definitely be whining if I had to play against three Stasis decks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be fine with playing against it, but like, I would hate to play the Stasis mirror. It just sounds miserable. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's about it for the top of control. Then yeah. in aggro we have Sly. Yep. Sly, also known as Red Deck Wins. Everyone who's played anything from the pre modern era knows about Red Decks. Yep. Jared, you happen to be the local expert. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it in a little bit, but yeah. Definitely definitely enjoy my lightning bolts and fire blast, so mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely uh tier one um or even tier 0.5 deck. Um, And then you have your zoo, which is kind of like the five color green decks of old, uh, Mm -hmm. since you get to play with, you know, Savannah lions, rancor, all those really fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jackal pup, carnophage, sarcomancy, all the, all the two power for ones. And then you've got backup with lightning bolts Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, Blue Green Madness, which is for me a huge nostalgia bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, One funny thing about that for a story, a brief thing, I was playtesting with Jared, and it was right after they had unbanned Frantic Search. Yeah, freaking oh, bass. Yeah. The freaking bastard plays Frantic Search, drops like an arrogant worm, puts up in the graveyard, untaps, plays Frantic Search. <laughs> puts like a root wall or basking uh, they put something in uh dump frantic search another arrogant oh worm God. to <laughs> frantic search more stuff three all four frantic searches went to threshold in no time and then uh, just yeah. like you're dead Swing in for sixteen. <laughs> I think I even dumped a wonder in the yard too. Like it was like yeah. I think you might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder got put in the oh, yard. Yeah, yeah. Like a deep yeah. analysis. Yeah, that, it, it was, was like it was, just it was like, literally like I think I got like two root wallas, a, a worm out of it, a wonder in the yard. It, it yeah. got threshold and also like a deep analysis. So it was like okay, and that was all at the end of, on his end step. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, an <laughs> it's insane. So yeah. it was so stupid. You can absolutely. Yeah, Madness can, is just an insane deck, and like I said, when I first heard about pre-modern, that was the first deck I built mm-hmm. out of it. I don't think it's tier one. No, it's not. You know, it's 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 definitely got some problems, but mm-hmm. at the time during Odyssey, like the Madness mechanic was just such a bizarre and powerful thing. Right. Um, maybe it can be broken a little bit more. But oh, I think I, it, I, I think it'll sit comfortably in like it's tier two ish, you know, you know, kind Status. of realm. Like you could probably win a tournament with it, but I think it, you know, there's some things that are there's other decks that are doing things more, you know, yeah. Broken, so. it, it's it's really what I found is it just doesn't have the best curve for an aggro deck. No, it's it's it is the definition of what a tempo deck is, right? It's get on right. board, get on board, and then kind of protect and kind of disrupt the opponent with counter spells and just you know play some decently sized creatures yeah cool yeah so that's madness then mm-hmm. um a subset of red deck wins would be goblins yeah. um Still another jared another one of your decks <laughs> i'm a red mage through and through what can i say yeah. <laughs> the key yeah. the key way to make but what's jared... cool about goblins is even though it's it's a red deck it really is a completely different angle of attack totally side. different yeah like, you know, the common, well, again, I don't want to, you know, jump too much in our other stuff, but like, 
you know, the way you would sideboard efficiently against maybe like a, the sly burn kind of style is very different than what you would was more useful against goblins. You know, like a for example, like a chill against goblins is like, okay, that's slowing me down. It's annoying, but it's not like it's as bad as like, you know, against, you know, the burn spells when all of a sudden, you know, lightning bolt or firebolt costs three mana. That's a big difference, you know. It, it's, yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure in, in one of our monthlies a couple months back, I kept a hand just based on the fact that I had chill against your goblin deck, mm-hmm. and it just didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you eventually. had lackey out. Right. I didn't have an answer for the lackey. Yeah. So chill, chill did next to nothing. Yeah. yeah if you want anyway. to stop Jared's goblins, all you do is play elephant grass. So make sure you oh, get, yeah. get green, play an elephant grass, and he'll go off on you about the art that there's no <laughs> way this works this way. Look at the freaking art. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. That's the only thing to stop him. Yeah. Elephant grass is good. Um, so yeah. then, then up next, we have another nostalgia bomb for a lot of people, which would be the Fires deck. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who played an invasion block remembers um, that had an incredible curve out. You know, turn one, Mana Bird, turn two, Fires, turn three, Blastoderm, turn four, Sap Burst. Yeah. Yep. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I I start when I first started I played around with that and I probably got to get back to it see if there's some more to it you know what I like about fires is that it's three mana is a lot you know what I mean but at the same time like uh-huh. you can it's all about like that you need that turn one birds or whatever but it's, yeah it's a way yeah to do it. well that's that's another thing kind of similar to madness where I feel like it was insane in its type two mm-hmm. at the yeah. time right when you have but. Two. Pre-modern is really a lot more like extended or yeah, very even much so. like legacy. Yeah. Um, and something that's just broken in its own type two doesn't necessarily have what it takes to win in a broader format. No, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. When I built so. some some of my jank, it was look. I I was looking at it from the lens of standard or something else where it was a two-year cycle, and this is a decade of cards. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, then we have Suicide Black, recent uh, finals, Ron Taylor, uh, whom, Jared, you beat in the finals, Mm -hmm. was running Suicide Black. He ran over me. Um, I'm pretty sure my game won against him. He had a negator out. I managed to deal it six damage, causing him to sacrifice everything except a Deuthi Slayer, and... He was still able to win with that slayer. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's one of the good things in this format is uh, having the hand disruption with a clock. That's I think I think this deck needs more work, but I think it, I think, think it has a chance because hand, hand disruptions yeah. hand disruption with a clock is definitely going to win a lot of games in this format. Hand disruption mm-hmm. with a yeah, um, anything that has a way, any aggro deck that has a way to handle combo decks, right has a fighting chance. Totally agree. Yep. Or, um, or race it. Unfortunately, in. some aggro decks, like, if you're not in the right colors, you just don't really have a way to beat the combo decks that can consistently win on turn three or four. Mm-hmm. Like, next up is White Weenie. Right. Doesn't really have a way to beat those combo decks. Well, like, a, so, a very nostalgic kind of White Weenie from this era is like something like Rebels, which is like a counter-counter mm-hmm. counter Rebels. Like counter spells are great against you know combo decks for sure, but like you mm-hmm. you, you know putting down a remotion sergeant and trying to like 
hold up and you know counter like you're I don't know. It's it, just it's, so slow. It's so slow. I mean, it is nice that you can play mostly on their turn because you can end step the rebel in or whatever. But right. it's just like mm-hmm. you, you need more pressure. Otherwise, they're, they're going to probably win in the mana advantage because you're paying more for your two drop by paying three and you know whatever. So yeah. But anyway. Totally. And then there are the green decks. There's Stompy and Elves. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't Elves win one monthly? I'm not sure. Hmm. I feel I like, look like back. maybe back in summer there was like a green deck that won. I'll have to look back into no, it. No, it definitely shows up. I mean, they, there's definitely good elf cards in this format. You know, it's not co- yeah. it's not full on combo elves like LSV won a Pro Tour in 20, 2010 or something like that. Like I have combo, but it's definitely there's good synergy for you know a creature deck for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So then next we'll move on to combo and. Combo to me in this format is insane. Uh, it, it's the, the format. First time, it it really is. Yeah, it, it defines a lot of this format. Mm-hmm. Like I remember uh, the first monthly before uh, it was actually a monthly tournament. The first like online pre modern tournament was, I think November of 2018. Um, it was run by Ron Taylor. Yep and. I just got run over by so many combo decks yeah. because I had no clue how broken they were. And like I was even playing a blue green kind of tempo deck similar to what I always play. And uh, so I had the, the mana leaks and, and the stuff to prevent them. So I probably went about 50, 50 in my matches, but I had no idea how many broken combos were in this format. Um, Lots. The first one that stands out in my mind being full English breakfast. Yeah. That first time yeah. when someone attacks you with a Volrath shapeshifter mm-hmm. and then dumps a phage, you're just, you don't know what hit you almost literally. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. And that that's kind of like the macro, I would say, you know, kind of combo of like survival decks, right? They're, they're just yeah. like the, the survival as a card is very strong. It's a tutor effect. It create, you know, deals things with the graveyard. You know, it does a lot of really cool things. And it just, yeah. you know, that that is the deck that it, it's a hard deck to play. You know what I mean? But like a skilled uh, a skilled pilot is going to go very far with that deck because it and you can just do like such broken things with it well um right I'm pretty sure that tournament or that that game the guy brought the shapeshifter in with hypnox in his board mm-hmm. nuking my hand mm-hmm. then dropped cephalid ink shrouder so that i couldn't do anything to kill it then uh then dropped in a chroma so that mm-hmm. he could attack with it with haste yep. and flying mm-hmm. so I couldn't block it. And then the phage goes in. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> yep. Not bad. And all of that being done through the survival. Through the survival. Yep. For, for three or four green mana. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's Or there's even like ways to do it now where you like uh, the next deck we were going to talk about is the, like the Phyrexian Devourer. Where now that's getting yeah. in that list where they put the devourer in to put all the counters on it, and then once it's that like lethal, you switch it in like a Triskelion, and then all of a sudden you just basically ping the person to death. Like there's yeah. a lot of cool things to do. 
Yeah. It is, Machine it is such sure. a cool deck, and I'm so happy that something like that that wasn't a deck back in the pre-modern era. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there ever being a Devourer combo deck, and it just basically got invented, you know... Like six months six ago. Six months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shows up, and I'm pretty sure the two guys who brought it to that tournament did very well with both it. in the top eight. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's definitely a new brew i forget if where they were from and they, but they created it they might have been danish or something like that mm-hmm. but yeah they I know it was european yeah they definitely it was in a european tournament this little known card phyrexian devourer you know that just found a way to you know pump it up and they broke it <laughs> and, and fling it yeah which is just really and, cool and that's that's another thing that i love about pre-modern is there's so many things that we probably haven't discovered yet. Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. old school, you know, has been, has been brewed through and through, uh, pre-modern. I'm sure there's more well, there's, broken combos. There's also like the difference between, you know, there's 900 something cards in old school and maybe the joke is like, maybe like, you know, a hundred of them are playable, so to speak. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But whereas now we have over 5,000 cards and there's a lot more, interesting cards we're like huh you know what, what, what a is lot this? more playables a lot more interesting interactions yeah you know I, you might yeah. have almost two thousand cards that could be well maybe not two thousand but like you know a good percentage of the of the of the decks can be like you know brewed up or maybe there's something we haven't seen like this devour combo mm-hmm. which is you know putting up results so yeah yeah i can't i can't wait to see what comes out next yeah right. there, uh, who knows what jank might still be hiding that we just don't know about yeah, because absolutely. It's like, no one's ever had the card sets to put one and one together and be like, oh, "Did I just break this?" Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so up next we have my favorite brew, which would be uh, Stifle Knot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take Phyrexian Dreadnought and you stifle its ability, and boom, for two mana and two cards, you have a twelve twelve Trampler. Yep, <laughs> good dude. Pretty insane, and uh, one of the things I love about it is that you can do it. Obviously, you have to make it a base blue deck because Stifle and Vision Charm are both blue. blue yeah. Um, but you can put it with any other color. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Probably the most common being red. Uh, you see people making like a standstill, uh, Mishra's Factory based blue red. Uh, stifle knot mm-hmm. um recently a, a blue white one was brewed up and did, did well. really well at the national or the european championship yep blue black um, also and blue black i was gonna say weren't you playing that one yeah i was playing it this month it's, yeah it's, it seems good too i mean it's just it's a, yeah. it's a powerful combo you could do it on turn one or two you know what i mean it's just a powerful combo you know put put a big big question like that on the board just here you go. Answer this, and a, yeah. lot, a lot of decks can't in the first two to three turns. Exactly, and with black, you you've got access to duress and anything that's going to kind of disrupt your opponent from dealing with your dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, white, they they added in enlightened tutors, making it like essentially eight knots in your deck. Yep. Um, and my my little homebrew has been blue green dreadnought. Where I use green to add uh, Nimble Mongoose and Werebear as side threats. Yep. Because Dreadnought, even though it's insane, 
it has huge target on its back. Um, this is a format with swords and a ton of artifact destruction, so you got to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Next, and I don't even know if you consider this combo, but Enchantress, Andrew, you're the man to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's tons of varieties. I've probably done five variants in the last nine months trying to <laughs> work one out now. So uh, I always look for new people to play so I could uh, get a feel of how to how to bust what I've, I'm working on. But sometimes it's combo. Sometimes it's aggro. It really depends on the build. Um, I mean, you can do it where you make tons of bears, tons of pegasi, tons of uh, bounce, which just lets you end up returning stuff. That The blue-green splash white is probably the most combo-y of them just because you're bouncing all kinds of stuff and you're you're bouncing maybe a wild growth to replay it on a different land that's still untapped so you gain from it and uh things like that whereas the other ones are the words of war the red one is just two to the face for every card draw you skip so 10 at most 10 cards uh draws skips are necessary most of the time it's like eight because people have already taken a couple damage from fetch lands uh but yeah it's it's it reminds me i've played uh survival decks before and it's it's similar in that sense in that you have a lot of enchantments that are a toolbox kind of variety where you have one ofs you you'll have the uh the big ones like um exploration uh enchantress's presence uh solitary confinement maybe as your uh bread and butter of the deck where you're going to have three or four copies of a lot of that but then you'll have a lot of twos and ones for things depending on if you want to hit it but not like get multiples in the hand so you run two or or one ofs where you can search it out with the tutors that are still legal in the format like enlightened tutor and sterling grove both tutor perfectly for what you're looking for yeah, uh, Sterling Grove. Could there be a more perfect card for Enchantress? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elephant Grass against Jared. <laughs> mm. That's that. That's a uh, honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Enchantress is kind of a huge Johnny deck. Yeah. Where anyone who loves drawing cards <laughs> loves to play Enchantress. Yeah. yeah. I know. I have a photo of a test I was just doing the other day, and I had fifty. D4 life and 25 bears tokens. Jesus. And it only took a few turns. Yeah, dub bears. It only took a few (laughs) turns to get that up to that. And when it does things like that, it definitely feels like combo because you're, it's just stupid numbers that you start getting. Yeah. And it was like, at that that point, at that point, I was able to gain as much life as I pretty much wanted, as many blockers as I wanted or attackers, and never had to draw a card again. Yeah, and it really is a indicator of the difference in Argothian and Verdurin Enchantress. Yep. <laughs> yeah, when you can power it out on turn one with a pedal or a Mox Diamond or something. Yeah. Right. Um, so, let's see. Then we've also got the Reanimator decks. Mm-hmm. Dump a fatty, get them into play, win. <laughs> um, Reanimate, assume, yep. Yeah, Trix hasn't seen much play, um, but it's based on the Illusions Donate combo. Um, Pattern Rector, which is 
very complicated combo I don't even want to get mm. into. <laughs> uh, Fluctuator, which I've actually ended up playing multiple times and is just a really scary deck because yeah. when they drop that Fluctuator, then they drop the rest of their deck and win out of nowhere. Yeah, they're doing something broken, but it's all based on that one card. You know, it's one of those. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so then there's Doomsday. Um, which I know Anthony Harrison on the monthlies loves playing. Um, and Replenish, of course, another nostalgia bomb for anyone who played yep. after Urza's Destiny came mm -hmm. out. Um, and there's tons more. Yep. And as, as we go on, I'm sure we'll cover a bunch of them. Yep. So uh, the other thing we wanted to do with this podcast is since we're all very closely acquainted with the monthly tournament is interview the various winners and surprise surprise we have our winner with us jared you took the december monthly down yes, you want to tell us a little bit about your matches sure yeah i mean it was um it was a december monthly so it was kind of a quick one because you know we, w we didn't have as many people that month just because it was like you know mm. holidays and everything like that but I just yeah. I decided to go to you know something old and reliable, the old uh, red deck sly. Um, it's it's a tier one staple of the format. It's gonna win quickly. It can race the combo decks. It can play the control against some of the other aggro decks. Like it's actually got a little bit of versatility to it. But I mean it's pretty standard. Um, it's just so consistent. And it's so consistent. Where there's so much redundancy in the list. I mean, mm -hmm. quick. I mean, quick rundown of the list. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's just you know. Lava Mancers, Mog Fanatics, Jackal Pups, Ball Lightnings, Bolt, Incinerate, you know, Fire Blast, Curse Scroll, like, you know, all the all the uh the fetch lands to feed up the the thin of the deck and to feed the feed the um what can Lava call it? The, the Lava Mancer. And then I always say that there's probably about like six flex spots in these decks. And what what yeah. I what I it basically comes down to what are your other burn spells for the most part? And what uh -huh. I chose for this month the cards I said before are all four of. So like you just, I, I don't see how you play any less. Some people don't play ball lightning to make you know play more wasteland or something. But I don't know, six man, you know, six damage can just blast someone in the face. But um, I went with two fire bolts, two flame rifts, and two sulfuric vortexes in my main deck. So the reason I went with those flame rift actually the four damage for two mana. Who cares about you know doing damage to yourself with this deck, right? You're you're you're, you're gonna be ahead. <laughs> So that just goes straight to the dome for them. Firebolt, I thought, I, Firebolt was like probably like the next. Is that the next? Probably the next best burn spell. I mean, the other options being like Seal of Fire. You know, that's an option. You know, the, yeah, I think I think Firebolt's definitely better because you you are going to get to that point where you have the fifth mana, right? And then it becomes mm. four damage for one card, right? Which same same thinking behind Flame Rift, like four instead of three damage for one card is really good and sometimes that's what you need to be so excuse me um and with like seal of fire you know while it's really efficient to be able to play a card out ahead of time like that you know it's just you're basically your opponent gets to dictate when you use it right yeah they, they kind of like that they're, they're gonna try to like you know put something out there that that, that that you kill it you know and they're gonna let you kill what they want you to kill not because you know they're, otherwise they're just gonna play into it right they're gonna they're yeah, they're, they're gonna play out the elf, help you kill the elf before like you know bad example probably not in the same deck but like play out the elf or like you know <laughs> yeah. the bird before like you know the meddling mage comes down right you know yeah. they're, they're gonna yeah. and it's like, like is it really all that much better than shock right 
you know, which it, you it, don't play because you have better stuff than that. But even shock, I mean, instant is important. Um, yeah. And then the other card that I went with was the sulfuric vortex, and that is just like that's a red player's dream card against like certain decks, right? It's a, I it, think it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I love it. It is just like here's the clock. We're both on it. Let's go. It hits your opponent first. It prevents people from gaining life, and it's an enchantment, which are you know even though there's good removal in this format. It's probably you're not gonna like you know, it's not gonna get removed, so it's gonna just end the game eventually. So I really yeah, I, really I gotta like say it. I'm legitimately surprised that it's in a flex spot for Sly players because to me it's like the scariest card in the deck. Yeah, well, against against certain decks, like you you want to land that against Standstill and just because you're just you're gonna be ahead, you know, and they're just oh yeah. I mean they have they usually have like a disenchant or a seal of cleansing or something like that just to kind of deal with these kind of things. But I just throw that down there and say, let's go, you know, just end it up yeah, quick. Exactly. Like, like show me your disenchant. <laughs> let's yeah. see if you have it. Come on. I want to see it. <laughs> so like, I'm just trying to remember kind of like, I don't remember some of the matches, but I do remember my top eight matches. So the, the, um, my quarterfinals was against, oh man, actually I can pull it up right here. Can I, I think we still have it on, yeah. on, on the webpage. Let me just see if I can find it. December. We had, um, I played Gabe Farkas in the first round. He was on a mm-hmm. when you play red deck, you're kind of like you're the fun police, right? You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. it's a very strong deck. It's meant to win quick. It's just you know it's brutally efficient and redundant. It's awesome. But like I played against Gabe Farkas, who's one of the guys who plays every month, and he was on like a um, he was on a cool cool brew and stew. He was on a it was Nether Shadow, and he did something I can't remember the card. They like turned all like lands only tap for black mana. I can't remember the name oh, of the card. Um, yeah, I've it was basically yeah. Too. I can't remember the name of it, but it basically turns all lands. Is that they, a contamination. Contamination, yes. And he had yeah. that, and he could make it. And he had another shadow that would come out. But like, eventually, like I could draw my curse scroll, and like that was a way to win. And there's, and I also like I could draw. Um, <laughs> I could also draw um whatchamacallit? The uh I, I think he was actually also playing Jockle Hops in that deck too. I was gonna say, I thought he was on a hops deck. It was a hops deck and... with the contamination. It was like a combination. Yeah, because to... hops and uh, uh nether Shadow uh, Nether spirit, 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 right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, oh Hops and Nether Spirit being a combo. I, yeah, one time he had the contamination against me and I won with the curse scroll and kinda like I still had so it doesn't change what your lands are, it just makes them only produce black. So eventually, I just oh. drew like enough mountains, enough fire blasts, and like there it is. And then, then the oh, ga- nice. in the game two against him, I de- he had the hops on the stack, and I was able to literally go like bolt, price of progress, and fire blast you for the eleven damage like that you were just sitting at. Holy and I was just shit. like, "Yep, you're done." You know what I mean, <laughs> like it was just like wow. all in all, all, all with three mana, and I did that all in, like with the hops that was probably going to win the game. You no, know, all in the stack. So I was like, "Ah, oh, here we go." And then I, yeah, that's the that's the thing about Sly is is out of nowhere it'll be dealing you ten plus damage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's ball lightning into fire blast or whatever it is. You know. What I mean? Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah. the next round is when I played against you, Mike, and you were yes. on you, you were on your like you're kind of like your green blue with a little bit of re- a little bit of red in that deck, right? With the stifle knot. Yeah, I splashed red for that one mostly. Yeah. Uh, the only two red cards fire were fire ice in the main and pyroclasm in the board. Yeah. I think you, I think you drew pretty bad against me, but still, like you know, I, I 
there was some chills that like I think there was one game you had like three chills or something like that, didn't you? No, no. um I actually cut chill because I was running red. Oh right, um, yeah. I did I drew really horribly <laughs> because yeah, the funny thing is the red addition was to help deal with sly decks and, and weenie decks. Right. Because blue green has no real way to off a bunch mm-hmm. of one ones. Um but I also made some pretty bad misplays looking back at it. Um, but holy crap, that second game when remember you had the vortex out. Yep. Oh yeah. It was a it was a crazy vortex game. I do remember this. Yeah, yeah. and and I had the mongoose out, so I was actually holding my own against you. Right. And then it came down to uh was I attacking in for lethal no i i had attacked in Mm -hmm. you were at five so that brought you to two so the next turn on the vortex you would have died right but you were able to end of turn yeah yeah i remember that sack your two mountains to fire blast no i was at seven i I floated the mana i floated floated the the mana mana, sacked the the mountains mountains to to fire blast you put those in the yard hit threshold and then use the two um, barbarian, barbarian rings, rings to finish you off before before I, I got to, <laughs> before my untap. it was unbelievable because yeah. I was like all right I got this one I got this one yeah and then oh shit <laughs> yeah because I couldn't tap I couldn't tap the barbarian rings for mana because they would have killed me but I was able exactly to, but like with the fire blast I was able to create my threshold. And then float the mana, and then do that damage to you on the end step. I was like, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I oh no, no, I, was the other or, or thing my was upkeep. both of us had forgotten because I had peeked at your hand. Yes. So I knew you had the fire blast, mm-hmm. and I asked to count your graveyard, and was like, oh, you, you had like five in the yard. So I was like, oh, fire blast will go, but he won't have threshold. I'm good. Yeah, but I was, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, did it first. Fire blast adds three to your yard. No, I think I even did that during my upkeep with the with this trigger from this vortex on the stack. I think yeah, it, I think it was insane. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. And then in the finals, I played against Ron Ron uh, Taylor, who's been a, a you know the bridesmaid, never the bride, you know, for quite a few of these. <laughs> but he was on a Metal Black Suicide Black, and uh, I had a I basically could basically turn into the control against him because you know I had. You know, bolts are good against his things, and you know the, the you know against the three threes and the the one ones and the two twos, and he does damage to himself with like the carnophage and sarcomancy when he doesn't have any you know other zombies or the wretched anurid or whatever. Like you know, do you kind of ping him himself, and then eventually like curse scroll just kind of takes over and wins the game. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just interesting. And I'm guessing game one. Any negator he draws is a dead draw. I think he actually had that on the board. I think he actually had the negators in the board. I think for that his deck that, oh, that month. But yeah, like negator. I think I actually kind of like that. Like cause it's sometimes just terrible against some decks, right? So yeah, especially with how much red there is in this format. Exactly. Like yeah, if I can bolt your negator, even if it doesn't die, and you have to sack three things, it's probably going to be good. You know. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a good run. I mean, again, sometimes you got to be the fun police with the uh, with the old. Um, with the old red deck, but I mean, it's it's yeah. it's, a t- it's a tier one deck, and if you're going to be playing pre modern tournaments, you better better know what's going on with that deck because it's gonna it can burn you out and kill you quick. So, absolutely, good one. you you have to have at least an okay matchup 
against Sly. And be prepared for it in the sideboard. It's one of those decks, like Affinity was back in the day. Like, if you're prepared for it, you're going to be okay. But if you just like, try to ignore it or just know you have a bad matchup again, it, it, and you don't dodge it, you're going to be in for a bad day. Like you, It's uh, going to run you over completely. So like yeah, these, that's why I usually always keep four chills in the board <laughs> chills you know hydroblast you know something warmth you know one of those is, you know white has plenty of good options to deal with it but anyway i think you know i yeah. you know it was fortuitous that you know i'm on this podcast you know doing this with you guys <laughs> but i think you know interviewing the <laughs> monthly champion every month is going to be pretty exciting to do yeah definitely yeah. Um, so I think that kind of brings us close to the end here. Yeah. Um, so we want to tell anyone listening out there, you already have an interest in pre-modern, please check out our monthly tournament. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, you guys have a Hartford tournament. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can kind of promote that. So the New England old school group, old school group, which I'm a part of with, um, you know, it's run by some of us up in Boston, but also like there's a bunch of us around uh, around the uh, New England area that are, we're putting on the old school Hartford, you know, festival or whatever. And we're having two kind of main events at the same time. And what, the important one for this podcast and one I want to promote the most, obviously, is we're having the first American pre-modern championship. So the first like actual like we're saying this is America's tournament and let's do it. We want to get as many people as we can and just have a good time. We're probably planning around five rounds of Swiss plus a cut to top four just for, you know, just enjoyment factor. Like, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. get the day moving. But uh, yeah. we'll be doing that. It'll be at the uh, – it'll be on March 28th. So it's a Saturday. It's in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, we uh, – it's right at like a um, – what do they call it? Like a VFW post or a, a – um, I can't remember the name, but basically there's a Elks there's a Lodge. Elks Lodge. That's what exactly what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it, it'll be right there. And there's there's there'll be food and you know and beverages available. And it's a it, I've gone there the last couple of years and it's been a good time every time. So I would highly recommend people. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. You know, kind of a link to it, and hopefully we can. Uh, it'll be a good time. I'd like to get as many people there as we can. Awesome. So yeah, and we'll be talking more about that. Yeah, we will. So. Um, I think we've hit about everything. Yeah. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to you guys for being on. Yep. Any time. Yeah, we'll do it again. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.